Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. So good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so excited you guys are with us today, and we are jumping into our next part of Clean Out the Closet. How many of you guys know those baptisms were amazing, right? Come on, let's give it up for all those that got baptized today. One more time. I know that... They got family in here and all that stuff, but man, I, I will never get tired of seeing Jesus transform people's lives. Like at this church, man, if you're new, we'll just never, we'll never be content or satisfied with that number. It's, we're only going to be pushing for it to grow and grow and grow. And so we hope that uh, you guys are rocking with us. Let's jump straight into clean out the closets. Uh, I was recently uh, challenged by my wife because... Uh, she realized, and I realized, um, that our closets are pretty full at our house, right? And here's one thing I noticed. I kind of made a vow to myself about a year back where I was like, man, if I get new stuff, I'm only going to replace shirts with new shirts. So I wasn't going to add to my closet. My rule was if I get something new, I'm going to take away something old, right? That lasted for about three shirts, and then I just started adding, and I wasn't taking anything away. But here's what started happening. We, got a, we have a couple extra bedrooms at our house. My office has a closet. And how many of y'all know it was real easy to just start? Like, I'm looking at my wife like, you need to get rid of some stuff. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, you know, just, I don't want to get rid of that shirt. So, uh, And so it was real easy to let other closets start getting full of clothes. And now... How many closets I have full of clothes is irrelevant, but I just need you to know that there is this whole thing of like just adding and adding and adding to our life. I definitely said that like we have an eight-bedroom house. We don't, okay? Just like it's like my office in our closet. Okay, so, so we all like, golly, no, okay. But how many guys know we're good at acquiring stuff, right? For whatever reason, we're good at acquiring stuff. And there's a story in the Bible we're going to go to. It's in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and jump there. The story of the rich young ruler. And this story of the rich young ruler kind of shows us some things that we can learn about how there's this constant desire to add to our lives, right? And so Jesus is walking along the way, and as he's walking, uh, this rich young ruler comes running up to him, and, and he has a question, and it's a good question, and we pick up in verse 17. But I want you to realize the rich young ruler is crushing it in life right now. He's rich, he's young. And he's a ruler, all right? If it, if it was 2021, they'd have made a TV show out of him, all right? The rich, the young, and the ruler, okay? like So he's crushing it in life, and let's pick up at verse 17. It says, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what shall I do? Say those words with me. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus gives them this list. All right, he says, hey, make sure you don't lie, make sure you don't cheat, make sure you don't steal. You know what I mean? He gives them this list, and it's a list of things he needs to make sure he's not doing. And if you know the story, the rich young ruler looks at Jesus, and he says, yeah, 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 I've, I've kept all those since I was a kid. I've obeyed those. I'm good on that, right? He says, so I'm good. I don't need any help on that. And so Jesus looks at him and realizes something that I think we can take away from this story. Jesus looks at him and realizes he's not trying to follow Jesus. He's just trying to add something new to his life. And I believe this is the temptation that we all fall into 
where we're just in this state of wanting to add to our life constantly. And in verse 20, Jesus helps him out where he says, or he says, I've done all these things. And Jesus looks at him and says, all right. But before we look at that, I, I want us to reflect for a moment on ourselves, right? Because how many guys know society, culture, Instagram, everything is telling you you need to add more to your life. Come on, like you need to add more. How many guys, you're looking at somebody else's Instagram like, man, I need to get a new promotion so I can travel like that. I need, I'm trying to make more money so I can get that car or that house or do that thing or that thing or that thing. And, and, and if we're honest, there's this drive in us to keep adding and adding and adding to our life. I call it the pursuit of more. And that's what I want to talk to you about today because for each one of us, there is this pursuit of more in our lives. And so Jesus responds to him in verse 21. He says, it says, looking at him, Jesus showed love to him. Say love. He said, one thing you lack, one thing you don't have. See, what, what is the rich young Lord trying to do? Add to his life. So what does Jesus say? Here's the one thing you really need to add to your life, right? He says, what you need to add is the opportunity to take away. What you really need to add is an opportunity. You don't need to increase, you need to decrease. Now, I don't about you guys, that would be very frustrating for me. Like, how many of us, if we're honest, right, I feel like my life is good, I just need to add Jesus to it. And he's saying, no, 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 what you really need to do is you need to get some things out of the way. And so he goes on, he says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you possess, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. Jesus goes after the one thing this man considered to be his identity. And so he tells him that, he says, you're looking to add, Jesus says, I'm looking to take away. And here's the question I have for you. Is the life we're trying to live getting in the way of the life God wants us to live? Is the life we're trying to live getting in the way of the life God wants us to live? Now, immediately we'd be like, no, 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 that's not it. But how many of us have taken on something in life that took us away from God so that we could have more? Like how many of us have added things to our life that promotion we knew wasn't going to let us be part of groups anymore, but I got to get that money so I can get that house so I can be like the Joneses. Sorry if your last name is Jones in here, by the way. We're all coming for you, okay? So just so you know. Mark 10, 22, let's pick up. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, the rich young ruler. He was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. We jump down to verses 24 through 25 in the NLT. It says, this amazed them, talking about the disciples, right? Because, I mean, think about it. If you're poor, Jesus and the disciples weren't wealthy. Rich young ruler comes up and says, hey, listen, what do I do? I'm sure Peter, at least Peter, because we all know Peter was just, right, at least Peter was like, hey, bro, he could fund this whole thing. How many of y'all are hustlers in here? Raise your hand. Entrepreneurs, hustlers, grinders. Uh, how many of y'all were thinking the same thing? Like, bro, he could, he could fund this whole operation. We could be staying at the Marriott instead of the stables. Anybody like me? Where the Marriott? Where y'all at? It's a Marriott, nothing. Right? I'm not trying to holiday and experience. I'm looking for the mansion Airbnb right now. I'm looking for the one that's got 12 camels. All right. And so 
I'm sure pe- at least some of the disciples were like, Jesus, um, we had eight in three days, so I just feel like maybe we could have like let him let him hang out long enough to like, you know what I'm saying? But Jesus is having none of that. And in verse 24, 25, this amazed them, them being the disciples, them being all of us, right? We would have all been in that camp usually. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard for those who trust in riches to, ent- to enter the kingdom of God. And we talk about riches there. In biblical time, riches meant possessions. And possessions meant money, and money meant power. So the rich young ruler was a ruler because he had much. Right Now, for us, riches may be a draw, but what Jesus essentially is saying is anyone that's in love with this world is going to have a real hard time getting to the next one. So for us, maybe it's riches, but maybe what we'll do is we'll not follow Jesus so that we can do what's necessary to get enough Instagram followers, to get enough people to agree with us on Facebook. Like maybe we'll change our narrative to fit into whatever, and what Jesus is saying here is it's really hard for people that fall in love with this life to meet me after this life. Because you are at some point probably, definitely, absolutely going to have to choose between this life and Jesus and the next. And so he says it's really hard. So in a pursuit of full lives, we acquire so much that if we enjoy our life too much, we may not have a heart after the next one. So how many guys desire to have full lives? Seven, eight, nine. How many of y'all have a desire for full lives? Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I do. Do I? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be like that guy. Like, so, you know, how many, we all have a desire for a full life, just not a full life without Jesus, right? So, like, full lives, raise your hand. Okay, everybody's in, uh, at home, you're raising your hand. Perfect. Okay, so we all have a desire for full lives because this is the reason why. You ready? In your notes, God has given us a desire for fullness and fulfillment. What do both of those words start with? Full. We have a desire for full lives because God has put in us a desire for fullness and fulfillment. So we want that, and hear me, it's not a bad thing that you want that. Sometimes we just get a little off track with how we get it. Can we all raise our hand and say amen to that? And so it's not a bad thing. We just usually put our attention on the wrong thing. So, pursuing fullness and fulfillment, if you're anything like me, you keep adding to your life, trying to find the thing that makes you feel like you finally got there. That degree, that job, that promotion. All right, now I feel like I'm finally here. And what I'm here to tell you is none of those things give you the fullness you're looking for. And so, the best way to disrupt the pursuit of more, you ready? It's about having less of what doesn't matter so you can make room for more of what does. Having less of what doesn't matter makes room for more of what does. One more time. Having less of what doesn't matter. What doesn't matter? The things of this world don't matter other than how they help you accomplish the thing God called you to do and be, which does. So I'm not telling you to quit your job tomorrow. All right. So just so we're clear, I'm not telling you go in tomorrow. Don't even give two weeks notice. Just do what you've been thinking about doing for three years. Right. 
I'm out. Figure it out. All right, don't do that. Okay, that's not what I'm telling you. Don't tell them Pastor Brad said so, because I ain't paying your bills. All right? (laughs) What I'm telling you is we should have our attention adjusted accordingly so that we can see God clearly to do what he wants us to do. And I do believe working is part of that. The Bible talks about that. But is worship, I mean, is working our God or is working part of what we do to accomplish what God has called us to do? Is working the means by which he provides so that we can be who he's called us to be, right? Same for your degree or whatever you may be living life for. And so in that, it's hard to love God and appreciate what he's given you now when all you're thinking about is what's more. And so God wants us to trust him as our provider. It's also hard to trust God as provider when we're acquiring so many things that make us feel secure. How many of us will admit Sometimes we forget God is the one that gives to us, and we think we're the one that gets it. And when we no longer are getting it, we feel insecure, not knowing if God's going to be the one to give it back. But it's hard to trust God when we don't realize he's our sole provider. And so 1 Timothy 6.6 says this, but godliness with, here's this word, I don't like it very much, but it's his, so I guess I'll use it. Godliness with contentment. Is great gain. Content with where you are. Content with what you have. Content with what God has given you. Content with, like, like pulling ambition out of the way and saying, all right, God, I'm content with what you've done for me. Here's a question I have for you. If God never gave you any more and let you stay right where you're at, but in doing so gave you all the time in the world to do everything he called you to do, have you failed or are you successful? If you gained nothing more, you never got another promotion, your paycheck never increased, you never got any more followers, you never did anything else. If you stayed right where you're at and God never gave you any more, but with where you're at, he accomplished everything through you he set out to accomplish, have you succeeded or failed? And the reality is we've succeeded, but many of us, if we were honest with ourselves, we would say, we would admit that we feel like we failed. And God is saying, I'll give you everything you need to do everything I've called you to do. All I'm looking for, hear me, lean in. Are you ready? It's yes. God says, what I need from you is yes. I'll take care of the rest. I don't know about you, though. I'm like that rich young ruler. Like, hey, let me help out, though. I've got suggestions. I've got ideas. Like, we can do this to God together. Like, we'll have a whole mortgaging company. Like, and God's saying, what if I don't want that for you? He's saying, I don't know, God. God's saying, I've got what you need. The pursuit of more is not the ultimate desire, right? So three areas that's about having less so you can have more. You ready? Let's do this today. Three areas. This is simple. Number one, your past. Your past. It's about having less, not more. We were, me and Pastor Justin and Pastor Jonathan, we just went to an art conference this past week and got to hang out with some cool people, uh, see some great pastors and a great church at Seacoast. And it was, it was just incredible, man. It was a lot of fun. And um, here's what I realized. Uh, I, even though I've learned to pack light, I still pack a lot. So I've learned how to pack light or whatever. And so uh, here, here's what happened though. Pastor Justin hit me up about a month ago. He's like, hey, listen, I got this new suitcase. 
and it wheels, and you can fit a whole bunch of stuff in it. And so you just walk with it. And I was like, oh, man, I need to order one. And then I procrastinated. And then like a week before I was supposed to, I was like, how long does it take to get them? I'll order it like a week to like get it in just in time. He's like, it takes like six weeks. And I was like, that's not going to work. So, so I packed in my duffel, right? Packed in my duffel. And here's what I realized, right? I realized that I, I had packed it. And I got it to where all I needed was was in my backpack and in my duffel as we're walking through the airport. And so we're walking through the airport, and what I realized is when I picked it up at home, it didn't feel that heavy. Like, this ain't that heavy. Who wants to come check it out? Anybody want to? Brett, come here, man. You you don't have to come on stage. Just come right here. Tell me if this is heavy. See, it's not not too bad. Could you hold that? You think you could hold that? It's not heavy. It's not heavy heavy at all. So I realized in packing my duffel, it's not that heavy. What I also found out was that Charlotte International Airport don't have a tram system. So we flew into gate B. We had to get to gate D. Let me tell you something. It wasn't that heavy at home when I picked it up. But come into gate C... And I still had a whole nother, felt like six and a half miles to go. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm walking around with it like just around my neck now. I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> here's what I realized. It wasn't that heavy when I picked it up. But you carry it around long enough. Come on. And, and for some of us, we're getting tired of adding to our life, and we're going, it didn't feel that heavy when I picked it up. But you're 10 years in, and everything in life is just hanging around your neck. God, I don't know if I can keep going like this. Why do I feel so tired? Why do I feel like I'm I'm burning out? Everything hurts. God said, I never asked you to carry that. It didn't feel that heavy when I picked it up, God. Yeah, yeah but now you got to walk through life with it. You want to know who wasn't hurting? Justin. <laughs> he even went out of his way. I don't, I, I don't He wasn't doing it on purpose, but I'd like to think he was. It, he said, look how easy these wheels roll. Here, try, try it out. <laughs> I said, dog, we're on a pastor's trip, but you can still catch these hands. You know what I'm saying? So he said, try it out, and I wheeled it, and it was so smooth. Because hear me, life is easier when you're not carrying the things you were never supposed to carry anyways. And for many of us, we're trying to figure out why life is so hard. But we're carrying things God never asked us to carry. And so I want to help you out with something. Whatever you pick up, this is in your notes, whatever you pick up is your responsibility to maintain. Whatever you pick up is your responsibility to maintain. You pick up that unforgiveness, guess what you got to carry now? You pick up that bitterness, guess what you got to carry now? It's your responsibility to maintain. Listen, I want to get real for a second. Your pursuit of more is almost always an attempt to prove something to your past. Lean in for a second. What are you trying to prove? 
Can we be honest for a second? What are you trying to prove? Are you here to prove to yourself and to your family that you won't be the same as your parents? Are you trying to prove that even though your great-grandma was like this and your grandma was like this and your mom was like this, you're not going to be like this? What are you trying to prove? Fellas, are you here to prove that even though your grandfather was like this and your father was like this, had this problem, this anger problem, this addiction, you're going to be the one to break it? I don't think that's a bad thing to hope for. I just think it's an unnecessary weight to carry. What is it you're trying to prove? And hear me, the second question is, who are you trying to prove it to? To prove to yourself you can do something is different than trying to prove to the world you can do something. But in, an, in your attempt to try to prove to the world you can do something or you can be different or the weight you can carry can be less, are you in turn picking up something you never intended to pick up? Pressure, hopes and dreams for your whole family. God didn't call you to carry these things, and so why are we carrying them? Listen, there's not enough that you can acquire to fix what was broken, replace what was lost, and heal what's hurting. I'm going to say it again. In the pursuit of more, there's not enough you can acquire. There's not enough you can require to fix what was broken, to replace what was lost, and to heal what's hurting. You can't. So, what do we have to do? Well, Mark 10, 25, let's go back to the, uh, the passage. In fact, Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a rich person to go, or it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if you know anything about this passage, what this passage actually means, most of us think of a camel trying to go through a needle that we're threading, right? But that's not what it means. There's actually a portion in the city where there's a, a, a way, a, a pathway. And as you would walk through this pathway, it would get narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower until literally by the time they got to the end, and they had it that way so that if armies would attack, right, they had to go through all of this. And by the time they were coming through, they could only fit through one by one into the city, right? And they called that the eye of the needle. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. And if you would see the picture, by the time they would try to get a camel through, if people were traveling in the city, by the time the camel would get through the walls, people would literally have to get on one side and push and people on the other side and pull to get the camel through the eye of the needle. And what he's saying is it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of the needle than for a rich person. So guess what they would have to do if they were traveling? Right? What What do you usually travel with? Luggage. So guess what you got to do to get the camel through the eye of the needle? You got to take everything off. And the reason he said it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of the needle is it's easier to offload everything than it is to try to get into heaven with everything. It's easier, if if, if you're trying to live the life that God has for you, you'll be better by offloading some things than trying to get into heaven while carrying everything. And so he's saying, we got to let some stuff go. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it go. So let it go. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary. And what are you doing? Carrying heavy burdens. 
Come to me, all of you who are weary, carry. And he says, I'll give you rest. I needed some of this in that airport. Justin was like, hey, man, we got to hurry. I'm like, listen, dog, you got to hurry. <laughs> right? I'm stopping at this Annie Ann's pretzels and fueling up. All right? You know what I'm saying? Because there's some anointing falling at Annie Ann's. I don't know what they're doing over there. And the Holy Spirit runs through that dough. I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> Hear me. Jesus says, give me your past. And you can trust me with your future. We need less of our past so that we can have more of our future. The next thing, quickly, as we give these two to you, the next one is your peace. Your peace, right? How many of you guys know the chase for more never stops? You ever notice how our grandparents and our great-grandparents didn't have that many cares in the world? Like anybody know a grand, you like you still got maybe your grandma and grandpa around or something like that, or you can at least have a good memory, right? How they didn't really care about much. Like they just cared about surviving, and that was really it. And maybe like making sure their recipes were right. Which I'm here for, by the way. So thank you. But they just didn't have that much of a care, am I right? Like they, didn't, they just didn't care about much. Because life was simple then. The more we've added to life the more peace we've lost. So how many guys know our lives, you roll over, you pick up your phone, you hit Instagram or Facebook, and no sooner than you do that, you see some person you don't agree with posting something that looks stupid, and within 30 seconds of your day starting, you've lost your peace. And it's a fight the rest of the day to get it back. The thing is, though, we shouldn't be working that hard for peace. Maybe we need to offload a few things. You see, we want more things in our lives, and to get them, we have to control more things in our life. But here's what I put in your notes. Peace is not about, it's not about having less control of things, because how many got any control freaks in the house? Control freaks, where you at, right? It's not about having less control of things. It's about having the things that control you less. That's where peace is at. Having more isn't a problem. Having more that owns you is a problem. And so we have to realize this. Is more always better? Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, Better one handful with tranquility and peace and joy and steadfastness. Better is one handful with tranquility than two, two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to just have one than it is to have two if two is going to stress you out. Right? And here's the deal. Rooms... Our life is full of rooms. Turn to your neighbor and say rooms. Our life is full of rooms, right? And since our life is full of rooms, each one of our room represents, each room in our life represents something. So we have a room for our family. Sometimes that one gets crowded. We have a room for our job. We have a room for our schooling, our education. We have a room for just us. Some of y'all, that room's really big, Right? You're like, actually, it's dark and quiet, just the way. I, no, I'm just kidding. So, we have different rooms in our life, right? And here's the problem that I've noticed as we acquire more and more and more. As we acquire more, you eventually run out of room in your closet, and what are you forced to do? Put stuff in other closets, which means it's going in other rooms. And here's the problem we run into in doing that. As we start putting if your clothes represent stress and anxiety and concern and fear, 
what you start doing is putting the wrong clothes in the wrong closets. And for some of us, that's why the stress from our job is impacting our family. Because we're picking up stuff at our job we were never supposed to carry. And we're bringing it home. That's the reason why some of the things that's going on at home is impacting your education. Because you're taking on more of a load than you're supposed to at home and you can't focus at school. And what God is saying is, I only ask you to carry what fits in the closet. So whatever you're adding to your life that's bleeding into the other rooms, those are things I never asked you to carry. That's why Matthew 11 says, take my yoke on you because my yoke is easy. I keep you down to what you need. And my burden, it's light. It doesn't affect all these other areas. But it's our pursuit of more where we get hit. That's why Proverbs 14.30 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Because what, what are we really wanting usually when we want more? Keep up with those Joneses. Stinking Joneses. Right? Unless you're a Jones in here, you know. It's the envy in our bones that's killing us. That drive for more. To have more than God graced us to carry. Just like me in the airport. It didn't feel like much at the time. But you carry it long enough, it's going to get you. And so it's our past, it's our peace, and then lastly, I'm going to give you this one, it's our purpose. Your purpose. Things that you need less of the wrong stuff so you can have more of the right stuff, it's our purpose. Luke 12, 15, then he said to them, watch out. Turn your neighbor and say, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Huh. Life does not consist... In the abundance of your possessions, does that not go against everything society is telling us? Life does not exist in how much you can acquire. Life exists in how much you can lay down. Things. That sounded weird. Like, it doesn't exist there, right? In your notes, we should be looking for peace and purpose, not possession and prizes. We should be looking for peace and purpose, not possession and prizes. It's not about what we can acquire. How many guys have realized this? Maybe you've gone through enough of these seasons of life, and particularly those that are in here that are maybe, maybe you're over 50. Maybe you're over 50, 55, 60, somewhere in that bracket. And, and you've gone through enough in life. You've acquired enough things in life that you can help some of us under 40 realize this. Once you've got it, you still want more. How many of you would agree with me and say, that once you've got it, it doesn't solve your problems. Matter of fact, I once heard a great poet say, more money, more problems. <laughs> Life is not brought to fruition by gaining more. It's about discovering more of what you're here for. God put you here for a reason. And even if one of the giftings God has given you is to acquire, he's given it you to acquire so that you can figure out what to do with it next. You have a purpose. 
But I want to help you understand something. What you have is not who you are. Your purpose, your identity is bigger than that. Mark 10, 21, looking at him, Jesus showed to him love and said, one thing you lack, go and sell your possessions, do all the stuff. Give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and you can follow me. Jesus' love for him wasn't in giving him all he ever wanted. Jesus' love for him was helping him find true fulfillment. You see, it's in the pursuit of more that we start chasing the things that perhaps God didn't ask us to have. Let me help you for a second. Your life is meant to count for something. Listen to me. Look at me. Your life is meant to count for something. You're not supposed to move through life every day, wake up 20 years from now, and wonder what it was all for. Your life is supposed to count for something. And it's not too late. It's not too late. Because God is redeeming the time that you feel like you've lost. To add purpose to a life that for some of you, you feel like is too far gone. I've gone too far, I've done too much. Things fell apart back there. God's saying, since when did I operate on your schedule? And since when did I need your permission? And I'll even give you this one for free, you ready? Since when did I need the permission of the people around you? We were made by God who is eternal for an eternity with God who is eternal. And hear me, and you've been given a purpose by God which is eternal. Why? So that we can accomplish something that would make a difference that is eternal. That's why for some of you, it's time that you start engaging whatever it is God has given you with the next step. We have literally have a thing called next steps. I mean, we didn't even title it weird. You can figure it out. Everything called next steps. And in next steps, guess what you figure out? You ready? Your next step. Ah, just, I mean, it's, it's right there. You figure out your next step of what God has for you. Hear me. Because your life is supposed to count for something. And it's not for acquiring more, it's for giving more. Now, I say giving, if you're new, don't think I'm talking about money. I may be. Maybe God has blessed you in a way that he's putting on your heart. You need to be someone that gives in an abundant way. And if that's the case, I'm not going to turn it down. Maybe that's the purpose that God has for you, and that's fine. But maybe you're the broke college student living on a ramen budget right now. You got something in you God wants to use just as much, just differently. Because the purpose is still the same. Ephesians 1, 18, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, check this out, the hope to which he has called you. I pray that the eyes of your heart, because how many guys know we see through our heart? We see through our past, we see through our hurt, we see... The eyes of your heart would be enlightened 
so that you can see, because it's going to take God enlightening you, you can see the hope to which he has called you. He's called you to something great. And the next steps, you can officially join the church, but you can also find out what that purpose is. And we want to help you get moving because God's got something for you. I talked about full closets earlier. How go from one place to another, hanging, clo- hanging clothes in closets because I'm not giving away as much as I should. I'm guilty, by the way, in case my wife doesn't tell you. I was looking for a shirt the other day, and I was searching through all these shirts. And as I was searching through all these shirts, I was finding stuff I forgot I even had. Y'all ever done that? Like, there's that sh- Man, I wanted to wear that six months ago. I wanted to wear that to that wedding at that place at that time or whatever, right? I was frustrated because I couldn't find what I was looking for, right? And and hear me, clothes I had forgotten about, kind of like your past. I was frustrated because I couldn't find what I was looking for, kind of like disrupted peace, right? And at the end of the day, I just wanted to find what I was looking for. Kind of like searching for purpose. And in the attempt to dig through all the things in my life that were in my way, I was realizing the only thing that was in my way was me. And so friends, why don't we get out of our own way? Why don't we let go of some of the things that are holding us back? Why don't we grab a hold of the one that gives us peace? And why don't we pursue the plan that God has for us with purpose? In doing so, I believe God desires to unlock the greatest days ahead of you than what is behind you. He's got something, man. It just means we got to clean out the closet a little bit. But in doing so, I want you to understand the more you add to your life, the harder it is to find the right things you're looking for like peace and purpose, and the easier it is for the old things of your life, your past, getting your way. Let's get some stuff out of the way so God can have our future, our purpose, and our destiny. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are in our life. And we give you our life today. God, I I pray for those that are in this room that I am, that's just been This word has been penetrating their heart. That God, you would help all of us, myself included, realize it's not about more. It's about having less of the wrong things so that we can utilize more of the right things. God, for those that are gonna take a next step today, you're pushing on their heart right now. Some people in here right now, at home right now, you're putting on their hearts to take a next step. God, I pray they would jump over fear move past the hurdle of anxiety and say yes to the promise and the future that awaits. We thank you for that. Help us all let go so we can let God have our lives. We thank you today and we love you. With every head bowed and your eyes closed today, if you need Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you know there's some stuff in your life that's separating you from God. You can feel it, but you're ready to let God have your life 
and to confess that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for those sins so they could be moved out of the way so you could be close to God again. If that's you, you need Jesus in your life. You need to say yes to him. You need a fresh start and you need a new beginning. Whether you're listening to me online or you're in the room, you're ready to say yes to that, I want you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church is gonna pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. Church, let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me whole. I give you my life. Make me brand new. So I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I believe that the best days are ahead. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that today. Awesome, awesome, awesome.